Well, welcome and good morning to Sovereign Grace Church, Parramatta. My name's Riley Spring. I'm the pastor here. Welcome to our very first annual, I guess you can say, your first annual uh, family Christmas service. Thank you to all the guests and visitors who are here and our members. It's going to be a great morning to enjoy, worship the Savior, hear the message of... Um, Jesus and what the true meaning of Christmas really is. Christmas really is, as the song says, one of the most wonderful times of the year. Um, it's an incredible time to gather, to feast, uh, for family, to enjoy all those things that we kind of cram into a one-week period that would normally take a whole year to plan and get it all done. Um, it's a great time to enjoy one another, and it's a great time to think about what matters most to us. It's a great time of eating and drinking and opening presents. It's a time of abundant joy. And this is the theme of our service this morning. We want to speak about the joy of the world, um, the joy that Jesus can only bring. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to sing, and then I'm going to explain part of the Christmas story, then we're going to sing again, and later on the kids are going to have a sing and show us some of those things. But what we're trying to do this morning really is go back and cut through Hallmark and the Christmas movies and all the different ideas that are out there. And we want to return to the Bible, the original Christmas story, the, the original ancient source of where it all comes from. Uh, and we want to open up the Bible and see what God has to say about Christmas. And we're going to be hearing from two people who were there nearly at the time. Matthew, who was a follower of Jesus, who was with him for three years, and a man named Luke, um, who was a historian at the time, about 20, 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. And we're going to hear their accounts of what they've put together, earliest and closest to the source, to kind of uncover the true Christmas message. So this morning, whether you're a believer in Jesus and you're here to worship, or whether you're a visitor and you're here to investigate, would we come with open and ready hearts to experience and enjoy the abundant joy that Jesus brings. Dear Lord, we thank you that we get to gather here and we get to worship you. Help us to adore you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to begin the Christmas story where it began 2,000 years ago uh, with a young man and a young woman who had become engaged but hadn't yet been married. And this young woman, a woman who you know of, Mary, told her new-to-be husband, Joseph, that she was pregnant, yet they weren't married. And that caused quite a bit of consternation for Joseph, and quite a lot of shame was going to come to the family. And so Joseph's plan was to quietly divorce Mary, to not bring public shame to her. As he came up with this plan, something miraculous interrupted him. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she'd given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The Christmas story is a crazy story when you look at it in the original text. When you zoom out of the Christmas cards and the Christmas movies and the Santa story and the lights, it begins with a miraculous conception. The beginning of a baby with no man involved. And this baby, we're told, is not just any ordinary baby, even in those circumstances. This baby is very special. See, Matthew wants to highlight two things about the birth of this baby. Who he is and what he's come to do. And we saw that in the text. Who is this baby? Well, we're told that he is Emmanuel, God with us, which is what Emmanuel means. The baby born in this, or made in this little womb of Mary, he's not just any ordinary child. Miraculously, supernaturally, for some of you, very hard to believe, <laughs> this is the God of the universe in a 16-year-old's tummy. And that's where Christmas begins, with that first miracle. So who is this child? Well, he's a baby boy who is God with us. He's the Emmanuel. So Matthew wants us to know who he is and what he came to do. And we saw that Matthew said this, the angel came to Joseph and said that he has come to save their people from their sins. You see, this Emmanuel, God with us, came from heaven to earth, not just to bring, you know, a happy season and a couple of good meals every year, but he came to rescue us from our deepest darkest need our need to be saved from our sin this world needs to be saved from its sin and that's why jesus came he's a rescuer and that's the real and deepest meaning of christmas it's a salvation and rescue story so how does this god with us this savior of the world enter the world well let's listen to mr luke in luke chapter 2 he says this after they'd traveled from their hometown to Nazareth, the city of David, while they were, oh, so Bethlehem, sorry, the city of David, Luke says this, and while they were there, the time came for her, that is Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The God of heaven comes into the womb of a young girl to be the savior of the world and is born in a borrowed stable. That's quite the transformation. That's quite the downgrade for him. But it highlights our need. It highlights the, the reality of the Christmas story, that it's not a cute story. It's actually a mucky, dirty story because of the dirt and the muck of this world that needs such radical salvation. To be there on that night would have been one crazy night, you know, for Mary and Joseph to be sure. And as we see, we're going to see all that happened in the rest of that evening and in the months to come. So we're going to stand now and sing again two songs which help us to focus in on that holy night, that silent night, though I'm not sure exactly how silent it would have been, <laughs> when God with us was born into the world to be the Savior of the world. Well, in the dark blackness of that night sky, a light 
shone. A light came into the world, a light that could never be extinguished. The Emmanuel, the God with us, the Savior of the world, has come to bring hope to this world. Would you please be seated? And would all the kids who are in the performance, please head out the back and get ready for your thing. And they need a bit of time, so they're coming out quite early. Awesome. Well, fantastic. We sing that song, Silent Night, um, and like I said before, I'm not entirely sure how silent it was, but if it was silent, um, it didn't stay silent for very long. Uh, because one of the most climactic points in all of human and cosmic history had just occurred. God was born into the world. And there was some presence of the angels that are going to interrupt our story now, and they're going to get pretty loud. Because for them, this was not just an ordinary night. This is grand final night, and the angels are going to join in and get their Viking clap going. I was at the NRL grand final this year, and with 80,000 fans at whatever it's called, Telstra Stadium. It's not called that anymore. It's got a different name. 80,000 fans in the Olympic Stadium all doing the Raiders Viking clap was an amazing sound. But I think it would have paled in insignificance to what we're about to read now. So join with me in Luke. We're heading back to Mr. Luke now in Luke chapter 2. It's where the silence ends. In the same region where Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, shepherds, don't think cute shepherds. Shepherds in ancient Israel were like NRL players. They were big buff heads. They were meaty. They weren't very well respected. Uh, They were pretty rough and tumble. And that's who's out in the field. They have to fight lions and wolves. Think those kind of guys. They're chilling out. It's a cool winter night, and this is what happens to them. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, which every time an angel appears in the Bible, fear is attached. So angels aren't cute, fluffy little cherubs flying around. (laughs) They're warriors of light. They're servants of the Lord. And when they appear, people fall down afraid. Again, the Christmas story is cute, but it's also very, very serious. The angel appears, though. They fall down in fear. Verse 10, but the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, that's King David he's referring to, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, so that's not just one or two angels, that's probably thousands upon thousands of angels lighting up the sky over Bethlehem saying this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels come because Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one that they've been with in eternity, has now entered human history and come to play His part. 
they come to interpret the birth of Jesus. You see the picture of Jesus on a little greeting card, and it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a baby in a feeding trough with cute animals. We need explanation of what it truly means. And they come to tell us that the Savior has been born and that He's worthy of all worship and joy and praise. And so they say they have this great message of great joy. And who's it for? Well, it's not for the elite. It's not for the educated. It's not for the amazing the first people to hear of this birth are the footy players, <laughs> which gives us hope, you know, especially out in the West. You know, it, the first people it comes to is the rough and tumble shepherds. And the message of Christmas is a message for all people, whether you are high or low in status and society. And the joy is for all. And so what do these shepherds do? Well, let's read on in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, obviously, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. So they're, they're bolting, they're sprinting. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Such the contrast, the, the angelic host and a baby in a feeding trough. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning this child. So they report to Mary and Joseph what the angels have said. And obviously there's a crowd now because people can hear what's going on. There's probably sheep bleeding. There's angels going. And verse 18, look at the responses. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Look at all these different responses. Wondering, treasuring, pondering, glorifying, praising. It's because something amazing has taken place. The Son of God born into the world for all the peoples. Great joy, great news has come. It is only right and fitting to give this person, Jesus, glory in the highest. Uh, you might be wondering, why are we here, you know, thousands upon thousands of kilometers away from Bethlehem, celebrating a baby born uh, in this inglorious circumstances? And, you know, we, we know the stories, we know the Christmas carols, we know the, the videos and the movies and all that goes on, but... This isn't just a message of, you know, happiness in general, a secular happiness, though it does have a lot of joy to go with it. Now, this is a message for joy to all the world. It's not relegated to Christians or Jews. It's a, it's a message that extends to every single human being, no matter where you were born, no matter your race, no matter your current religion. This is a message which reaches to the world. And that's why we called this morning Joy to the World. And we're going to see now this Christmas story expand out from Bethlehem over to ancient eastern horizons. So would you come with me back to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to hear about the wise men, or the magi, or the three kings, depending on your Christmas tradition. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, now just pausing there for a second, 
one of the weird things about the Bible is the Bible always places itself in human history. The Bible and the message of Christianity is not a, 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 like a, a philosophy of timeless roots. It was born, although it is timeless, it was born into human history and is verifiable and falsifiable. And so if you're a doubter, a skeptic, one of the things you should look at in the Bible is, does it line up with human history? And you'll find that Jesus was really born at the time of Herod, and you can actually look at the archaeological details and see that the Christmas story is not a myth. It's an account of what really, truly happened. And so Matthew and Luke both give those kind of details. But back to the story. Born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, so he's the king of Jerusalem, he's appointed by Caesar at the time, and behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So we don't know exactly where they came from, perhaps Babylon, uh, quite a distance away, but wise men have come, and we don't know exactly how many they brought three gifts. So there may have been three, there may have been 30, there might have been two. Uh, there's plural, so we'll say at least two wise men came. And they came because they saw a star, and where do they come first? They go to the king expecting a kingly welcome for the king to be born. But let's see what happens. Verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. You see, the reaction to Jesus' birth is not joy for everyone. Um, it, it gives different perspectives because the, the birth of Jesus threatened Herod. Herod thought he was the boss, he was king, he was ruling. And to hear that a rival king, a promised king, a king that actually, if you flick back through the Old Testament, you'll see many predictions of a king who is promised to come, born of a virgin, going to be born in Bethlehem, you know, born at such a time to save the world. And Herod knows vaguely about this, and he's threatened because this king has come. And so Herod comes up with a bit of a plan. Jump forward to verse 7. Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. Now that indeed was not Herod's plan. And in fact, a tragic part of the Christmas story is that Herod orders a, a genocide in Bethlehem trying to find Jesus and put him to death because he doesn't want a rival king in his land. But the wise men head off with this plan and this mission following the star because God's message goes to all the world and they want to worship God's king who has come. So verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold... The star that they had seen when it rose went before them, so it's kind of tracking them, well, they're tracking it rather, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And look here, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. <laughs> they're pretty happy. And verse 11 Check this out. These are noble men, rich men, come from a very long distance. This is how they react to the birth of Jesus. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, 
young, probably 16, 17-year-old girl. And this is what they do. And they fell down on their knees and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. These gifts are highly expensive, rare items. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You see, in this story, we have a lot of mixed responses. The king and the rulers are troubled by the birth of Jesus. It's going to upset their plans. They had a plan for bringing peace and order to their land. And the thought of a new king disrupts that. They're not excited about that. The wise man, their response is exceedingly great joy. Because they've been reading the Old Testament, they know the plan, they know that something miraculous has taken place. And their response is to bow on their knees, to give gifts, to worship a baby. They obviously saw quite a lot of potential in this child. And we've seen many different responses in this story so far. Mary treasuring things up and pondering in her heart. Joseph, humble faith to obey the angel. The townspeople in Bethlehem at first rejecting, but then being astonished. The shepherds glorifying and praising God with haste and joy. The angels singing their anthemic song. And now the kings in fear and anger and the wise men bowing the knee. You see, there's many different responses you can have to this message. But the one response you shouldn't have is apathy or indifference. You see, this message of Jesus being born into the world extends all over the entire globe to every soul that has ever lived, including each one of us sitting here today. None of us can escape this message, and all of us can be blessed by it. Why is this message one that requires a response better than apathy or indifference? The reason is this, because of the nature of its claims. The message of Christmas is not a cute story. The message of Christmas is that we live in a broken, rundown world. All you got to do is look at the sky at the moment to see some of those effects. The smoke, the heat, but not to mention the pollution, the broken down pollution in our own families, in our lives. And the Bible calls that sin. It's a curse that we've all got. And Jesus is born to liberate this entire world from that curse. He's the Savior for all the world. And He's come because each one of us need rescuing. You see, Christmas is the great rescue mission to save you and I from our sin. The thing that changes how you view Jesus is whether or not you're willing to admit that. Whether or not you're willing to be open to the reality that you need rescuing. And so therefore, this Christmas, you should either be joyful or offended. <laughs> offended because I just told you, you're desperately need of rescuing. And you might think, hey, I'm actually pretty good. Or I've got my own religion. Thank you all the same. Or you should be joyful because you're thinking, I need or I have this rescuing. How amazing is this? But Christmas leaves you no middle ground. You've got to be one side or the other. And if you are in that middle space, may I encourage you to deeply think about it over this time. Don't let the Christmas trees and the bells and the lights and the whistles and the food distract you from the incredible hope, peace, and joy 
that Jesus truly brings, both now and forever. Well, one of the, the things about Christmas is we can have fun and we can have joy because of the salvation and peace that Christ gives. You see, you and I need to make a response to Jesus. Every single human on this earth does. And you are blessed this morning because whether you're a believer already or not yet, you got to hear the Christmas message that if you come in faith, you can be one of those all the peoples of the earth who, be, who joins in worshiping Jesus. And the result and the fruit of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, friends, this Christmas should be great joy because of salvation. Sins are forgiven. Great joy and peace because you are one and right with God. Great joy and security because you are adopted and loved by Heavenly Father. The great joy of love because you are known even if there's brokenness and family disruption over Christmas, you can have deep and abiding joy because the God of the universe loves you no matter what. The great joy of freedom because you are liberated from sin. And the great joy of hope because no matter how your Christmas turns out this year, you can look forward to that great tomorrow when Jesus, the King of Christmas, the Christ of Christmas, returns. And when He returns, all who have bowed the knee to Him here on earth and worship like the wise men will worship Him and enjoy Him and feast with Him for all eternity. With all peoples, all races, all nations, all genders, all classes, for all eternity. That is the great joy of Christmas. Uh, would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank You that You sent Your Son into the world. We thank you that we can confess our sins and receive full forgiveness, freedom, joy, hope, peace, security, love. Thank you that you love this world, that you came down. And thank you that you met us this morning in your word, through worship and through the preaching. Lord, I pray and ask that you would bless my friends this Christmas season. Would you make your grace rain upon them? May there be many beautiful moments of joy and worship. May there be much happiness, feasting, family, relational blessings. And Lord, would you help us to not forget you this Christmas? Would we enjoy you now and forevermore? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said...